Yo, 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 welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. It's NBA Intel, NBA Monday. Me and Clement Gibson, your regular co-host, we're back. We're here to talk about the NBA world from last week and can really have some things to talk about that just happened today before we even aired. It's Martin Luther King Day, um, the NBA's national holiday, to say the least, when it comes to playing a litany of basketball matchups. But before we dive into all that, um, let's talk about what MLK means to us. I'm going to give the floor to Clem. Uh, Clem, you think about Martin Luther King Jr., the things that he's done. What is his representation of his legacy to you in your eyes? Uh, to me, put it shortly, it just means being selfless. I think um, at the root of everything he did was um, actions and uh, service that was greater than him um, through his I Had a Dream speech. Um, you could tell that his purpose was beyond just himself. He knew that he wasn't going to be around to see the change he was going to make, but his kids, you know, people like us, you know, the generation past him would reap the benefits that he sowed. So uh, for me, selflessness personally comes to mind. And, uh, just honestly appreciative that you know, somebody was able to take that step and endure a lot of the pain that, you know, that had to happen so that we can live the lives we live today. Uh, RPMLK, and I hope that everyone appreciates the work that he did, for sure. For sure, man. And uh, share the same sentiments. Um, think about Mother King Jr., everything that he's done, everything that he did, and really um, set the tone for a lot of revolutionary leaders beyond him. Um, he was a grinder. Um, he put in the work behind the scenes that I don't think a lot of people know he did. Um, I think a lot of people commemorate his legacy, half-sided, to say the least, talking about, I think, the kumbaya moments to bring everything together. But he was one of the rare guys to start with that really spoke out against the Vietnam War. I think he really puts the change and really shed light to people on how these wars that our country fight are not really for the greater good, like they say to us. And um, he was influential in Chicago, really fighting for housing rights, worker rights. Arguably, that's why he, in my eyes, died, because he really made his revolution expand way broader than the bus boycotts. He really started stumping for the common man um, in the workplace. And you know what time it is. Can't add that in a capitalistic society. So um, RIP to him, man. Um, and long live his legacy, because there's people really fighting for the same things he fought for still to this day. So Got to commemorate that in its totality. Um, before we pivot to the basketball topics, Clem, I know you're not a football guy, but you usually are during the playoffs. We have one more playoff game to go before we pivot to divisional round. Um, have your predictions been right so far? Um, I told you the Vikings was going to get upset. It they get upset right there. Um, personally, myself, pat on the back. I'm five and zero with the predictions. I'm trying to go perfect six and zero today. How has that NFL playoff feeling been since this is the only time you really tune into football this year, Clint? Man, you know what my prediction was. You know it was wrong, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to rub it in. <laughs> All right. I, for everyone who was wondering, um, I did predict, <laughs> foolishly, <laughs> I might have, a Chiefs-Vikings uh, Super Bowl. Um, obviously, <laughs> But uh, you know what's funny? <laughs> so, can't mention that I I don't watch the regular season. Um, 
you know, I dabble here and there. I listen to a lot of sports shows. So I hear what's going on, but I don't care as much to follow the game day in, day out, like I do the NBA. Um, I was watching the the game from December with the Giants and Vikings when mm-hmm. uh, the field goal kicker made the 60-yard. <laughs> My stupid stuff. <laughs> I'm thinking that's the actual game. So I'm sitting here and I know that because from what I remember, they don't play the reruns before the actual wild card game. I've never seen that. Um, so I'm thinking I'm watching the actual game. So thank God I didn't tweet or brag or say anything about it because I would have looked really dumb. But I literally thought they won. And it wasn't until like hours later, uh, one of my uh, friends I grew up with, shout out to Rufus, diehard uh, Vikings fan. Posted like oh, I'm so sad right now, and I'm like, why are you sad? Like, and I looked up the the score, and I was like, wait, what? And then I hopped in our group chat, and of course, you had the perfect score, twenty four thirty one. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna slide up the group chat and I say that. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah, man, that would have been unfortunate. And I remember that game actually. I mean, you you weren't the only one. My dad passionately thought the Vikings were gonna come through, but. Um, I think everybody tapped into football. Minnesota was a fraudulent team all year. The Giants were just starting to pick it up at that last month of December. And I think really the turning point for me was, you know, Minnesota's defense has not been good all year. And New York, I knew they were going to establish the run to open up the pass. That's what they did. And uh, they came out with the victory. Do I think the Giants are going to win again? No, they're going to lose the Aces Eagles. But the standpoint is I knew they could beat Minnesota, and they did. But – more playoff football to come. Um, probably not going to bring this up to Clem again, maybe into the Super Bowl, because then that's that's something else we could probably intermingle into the show. Go Chiefs. But, <laughs> go Chiefs. But moving on, topic one. Should the Oklahoma City Thunder embrace the play-in push or revert back to their tanking norm? Because, yes, through the first 44 games, the Thunder are currently 21-23 and 23 overall. And they were tied for 10th in the West. I think that's changed since Utah beat the Timberwolves today. So I think Utah has that 10 spot to themselves. But they but the Thunder the last two years only won 24 and 22 games respectively. So the fact that they're 21 and 23 this season says a lot in itself. But who's balling out? Gotta start with SGA. Career high numbers in scoring, 30.7. Field goal percentage, 50.7. Free throw percentage, 90.8. And he's got 1.7 steals and 1.1 blocks in the 40 games that he's played. But the real emergence has been from Josh Giddy. They're a lottery selection from a year ago. He's looking like the best second-year player in his draft class this season. He's improved his ability to shoot from the field, 41% to 48. From deep, 26% to 34%. It was really helped his scoring uptick rise to 16.0 points per game. He's also averaging eight boards and five assists too. But it's not just those two guys. Clem, Lou Dorks is giving you 14 a game. The rookie Jalen Williams is giving you 11.7 on 50%. And this is a very weak Western Conference this year that's pretty much top-heavy. You got Memphis, Denver, and everybody else. So, in my personal opinion, Clem, I say OKC go all in for a playing push and then use your litany of draft picks in the future to potentially move up in future drafts, maybe add a veteran piece and a trade line down the line. What do you think should OKC make the play and push or take it out? Well, I I don't think they have to do either just because I think they're going <laughs> to naturally lose 
king as the season <laughs> continues to wind down. Um, I mean, think about all the good that you just said. You highlighted Giddy, you highlighted SGA, you highlighted Lou Dorf, you highlighted Jaden Williams, the guard. Um, even Trey Mann, I've seen some, you know, some some improvement from him. But they're still ranked 12th, man. <laughs> they're 12th. It's twelve in the way, um, <laughs> and that's with AD out. Um, so probably when AD comes back, they're going to drop to thirteen, which is going to make them with San Antonio and Houston the worst teams in the West. Um, so I I don't think they should go for anything. I think they're right where they need to be, and this is probably the best scenario they could have planned for. SGA is ascending into the star that they would like him to be and be the face of the franchise. Um, Giddy's having a really good sophomore season um, and is forming into what looks like could be the third best player, and you're hoping Chet can come back and slide into that second best player spot. And then you have a guy like Lou Dork who um, has continued to develop his game as a 3 and D guy. Um, that's you know a guy who you can probably put on your best player um, down in the game. But... I don't. I just don't think they should tank. Um, I don't think they have to, and <laughs> I just don't think it's. They're not going to make the play. And I. I think once Booker comes back and when um, Davis comes back, Phoenix will go up. And I mean, I don't know. I. I'm a little hesitant on Lakers because I was pushing for them last year. I was very heavy on the. There's no way AD and LeBron on the team together is not going to make the playoffs or the play in. Of course, they didn't make you. Um, so I'm a little skeptical on them, but I just can't help but think that Phoenix, if not LA, Phoenix, and at least like Golden State is going to come out of the play. Um, and OKC is just not in that category. So I think they're good where they're at. Um, and then also, like, if they tank, I was thinking about it, like, I don't know if Wendy, SGA, Chet, and Giddy is a great combo. Like, I feel like Wimby's going to be not like a high usage guy to the likes of like a Luca, but I don't think he's going to be like a giddy where he's like, I don't need the ball in my hands to really be effective. Like, I think um, SGA and Giddy are the best, like they're, they're best when they have the ball in their hands, whereas Chet, I think it's a guy who can play more off ball. Um, obviously, Dort can play off ball. Um, but yeah, I just think I think having Chet, Giddy, and SGA, and then finding like another versatile, um, like long guy who can defend and make threes um, would be good for that team. But just don't think Wimpy's going to be the guy for them. So I think they stay where they are. They'll naturally lose games, and everybody's getting hurt. So whenever they decide to sit SGA for whatever <laughs> miscellaneous reason, um, it'll be warranted. Yeah, um, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, I think they're a playing team, and the reason why I think so is because hey, 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 listen, okay, listen, <laughs> look, look. Um, the West is weak, bro. I mean, okay, I we agree. When Devin Booker comes back, the Suns are probably gonna make the playoffs. So now, will they make the playoffs the natural way, like be the six seed, or will they make the playoffs the play in way, which is when the play? It doesn't matter. We know they're treading water to the point where it's clear when Booker is there, they're a 45-47 win team. So so cool. And he could be back at the end of this month. Everybody else, I don't know. Like Minnesota, they just lost today to the Jazz. 
I thought they was getting their stuff together, but it looks like they're going to be a 500 team the rest of the year. Utah is playing above their pay grade. Yeah, <laughs> Utah's playing above their pay grade. But I think Utah and the Thunder are on the same level, so to speak. I think they're the same type of team. I'm just being real. So, look, I think with OKC coming into the year, I told you when we had the preseason NBA pod, I said if they try hard this year, like if they really cared to win, this is at least a 30-win team. They're going to win 30 games this year. They're going to clear that benchmark. Now, I did not expect the West to be this weak this season, but it is. So with that being said, they have health on their side. They have continuity. They have a low-key underrated depth. And they're a very young basketball team that every single night when they come on and play, they're going to bring the energy and the effort at a maximum level that kind of matters in the regular season because that decides on a daily basis who wins and who loses. So now we need to talk about what they will look like in the future. I don't know if SGA and Giddy is a match, but like I don't know if that works because how they play is they isolate, like SGA is their isolation score, but Josh Giddy's their point guard. And it's not like SGA is an incredible three-level score. Like he's phenomenal in the mid-range. He's a phenomenal driver of the basketball, but he's not like a knockdown shooter. And I haven't really seen him be able to play off the ball and score effectively as well. It just feels like he's a poor man's Luka. And Luka is a better, probably, I would say they're about the same three points, but he's poor man's Luka. And Josh Giddy, while he's improved as a three-point shooter, I don't know if he's knocked down enough to survive ball-sharing duties with SGA. So they're going to have to make a decision with that going forward. I talk about this with my dad all the time. He feels like the Thunder are going to trade SGA. And the way that they're playing is to showcase his marketability to pivot off of him going forward. I don't think so because Toronto's been dying to get him the past year. And OKC's made it um, their duty to basically be like, well, we're not getting rid of him. Now, I can't ever forget that when Kay Cunningham was getting ready to get drafted, OKC did offer up SGA to the Pistons to get that number one pick. Could they potentially do that to get Wimby? Who knows? It depends on who gets the number one pick. Like, let's say uh, Washington Wizards get the number one pick. And the Thunder say, look, we want, we'll give you SGA for the pick. I could see the Wizards saying, okay, we'll do it. Because the Wizards feel like, you know, they can compete in the East with SGA on the team. Can they? Not really, but it's the Wizards. So I, I have concerns about how this team looks like moving forward. But as of right now, this is good enough to get in the play-in because the West isn't good. Now, if they're in the East, no chance, my brother. <laughs> None. But it's the West. I mean, the Warriors look like a sub-500 team, look like a 500 team this year. Utah looks like a 500 team this year. Minnesota looks like a 500 team this year. That's three 500 teams. You brought up the Lakers if they bring back AD. I personally don't think if AD comes back and does anything, they're not making the playoffs. So I think OKC can feel like, look, we 21 and 23, we just beat, yeah, you beat Brooklyn without KD, but you did destroy Boston with Tatum. So, I mean, I give them a shot, man. I think this is a playing squad if they continue to pursue with their aspirations. So so who who are the two teams you see not making? I, I, I heard you say the Lakers. So who's the other team? I think they eventually catch Utah. I really do. Utah recently has started to look very vulnerable. Um, and what I've seen with Utah is Utah can beat teams that are 
like trash and teams that are on their level, kind of. Well, not. They could be teams that are trash and kind of on their level, but anybody above, they succumb to. And I think they and Oklahoma City are basically like the same team in my eyes, where they play they play pretty well together to where they can score up to 100 and 110 points a game. I mean, everybody's doing that. Nobody's playing defense. But they struggle at times to get consistent stops. But I trust Oklahoma City more as a two-way team than Utah because Utah, in my eyes, like Vando plays defense. Kessler's not bad at rim protection. But outside of those two, you just really got a whole bunch of guys that get buckets, but they're not really stopping anybody from getting buckets on them. So I think Utah's the team to catch. I think they catch them to be that 10th seed, and they're in the play-in. Now, do I expect them to win the play-in? Probably not. I'd have to see who's in the play-in with them. But I've seen this team beat Utah. I've seen this team beat Boston. I've seen them beat Minnesota. Um, I'll go this far. You, You might laugh. I think right now Oklahoma City might be better than Golden State. I mean, Golden State hasn't been that impressive. So Yo. that's how weak the West is. I mean, did Yo. you see Golden State today? They barely beat the Wizards. They're not I good. Did. They're I, not I good. Saw, I saw it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's taking it too far. I think <laughs> you're falling victim again to the regular season. Which is okay. <laughs> this happens around this time of year. Um, I think as the regular season rolls along and the playoffs starts approaching we're gonna see a different level especially for those veteran teams like the lakers and golden state that um should not be in the play-in uh even a phoenix so i don't think they'll make it maybe they can make the 10th seed i i think utah's better than them personally um i don't know i just have a hard time thinking the Bulls are not gonna make it to the play-in so I think Oklahoma City is going to be the odd man out with Utah when it all comes down to everything. No, I think the Wolves and the Suns, they'll, they'll be in the mix. They're going to make it. I just feel like, like I said before, it's going to come down to them in Utah. And I think right now I would lean them because I think they play better defense than Utah does. Because I think so when they both so, – Tell me, where do you see Portland? Or let me let me ask this: Who you who's the fourth you think's gonna make? You already said OKC. Who are the other three? Uh, I can see right now: Suns, Thunder, Suns. Yeah, that's two. Um, Wolves. Uh, Wolves. so there's one more spot. There's uh, Golden State, Utah, um, and yeah, those are the last logical spots, and the Lakers. But we know each other. Oh, yeah. You know, look, let me rephrase this because you were, I was being a little dramatic. I think right now, OKC is probably better than Golden State. But I think over time, Golden State will probably be, they'll find a way to make the playoffs. So I don't think Golden State will be a playing team because, bro, the six seed, the six seed oh, is like close, six seed and the 12 seed, they're the same. So hey, I, I, I see Golden I'm State. I'm about to start calling you Hot Take Care. Hot Take Golden State better than OKC. Okay, or OKC better than Golden State. Okay. Right now, yeah, I don't think that's preposterous. Okay. So, but I, I, I feel like look, they got Curry. They'll find a way to make the playoffs. So I don't think Golden State will be a playing squad. So you know what? I named three teams. Maybe Utah can still find a way to get in, but it, it'll probably come down to Utah, Portland, and OKC for that final spot. Um, and might like OKC chances, man. I mean. I'm just saying, I've seen them play. It's playing caliber in the West this year. Nobody gets hurt. They keep applying pressure. Why not? I, I know you're not a believer, 
I get it. But you got to understand, this is not a good conference this year. I think that I think a lot of people are getting adjusted. It's crazy. We're so used to the West being way better than the East as a totality. It's just not this season. So I don't is, even think that. I think that's like something. It's like a bit of a facade, if you will. Like I think the Western Conference is older, and there's a lot of people in the conference who have already won at a high level. Like I think mm-hmm. of the Clippers. I think of. Golden State Warriors, even though Dallas haven't won like any championships recently, but they were just in the Western Conference Finals. We know what Luka is, and we know if Luka steps on the floor in the playoff series, he's going to give you hell. Um, Portland has made it so many times with Dame. I don't think Dame has missed the playoffs in like a healthy season in his entire career. Career, no. Um, And then Phoenix, obviously, was the best team last year and then went to the finals the year before. And then Lakers have LeBron, so they think, you know, they think they can win whenever. So I just think there's a lot of teams who have, like, that mentality of, like, oh, I'll flip the switch when it's time. That's why I think the West is so so lackadaisical right now, whereas the East has more young teams who haven't really accomplished anything, so they are, you know, playing every night. But we'll see. I think it'll make for a, a very interesting March. It's a fair point. Um, We all know. After y'all star break, everybody gonna come and get it. All all star break basketball. After it's gonna be crazy because yeah. you know it's so tight in the West and then in the East. Um, I, it looks like Boston's probably gonna be that top seed, but then everybody's gonna be competing for two and the three, so you won't have to worry about facing Boston in that second round. So it's gonna get crazy for sure, especially with the MVP race as well. The second topic: likeliest move, mobile assets at the trade deadline. The NBA trade deadline will be on February 9th. And the Rublins have already picked up this month on who can potentially go where. Um, the pieces I've heard that are the likeliest to be moved are Kyle Kuzma for the Wizards, John Collins of the Hawks, Gary Trent Jr. of the Raptors, and Kyle Lowry of the Heat. Now, was really going to go in and talk about Kuzma, but this dropped before we ever were on the pod. This dropped early in the morning, too. The Wizards came out and said that their intent is to re-sign Kyle Kuzma. Oh, what a Wizards Wizards transaction. Kuzma's own mom says her son likes DC and the organization, so he could potentially get overpaid and stay in the District of Columbia going forward, which would suck for everybody else at the deadline that kind of wanted Kuzma to be on their squad and potentially take them over the top. But those other three guys, Clem, they seem likeliest to move. So let's start with John Collins. He's been on the trade deadline every year the last few years. Are we sold he's gone by the deadline? Yes or no? I'm not sold. Um, I have him on my list here too, but I'm not sold. I think him, I, I, I kind of did it by position, but like the power forward, him, Bogdan, and Jake Crowder. Obviously, Jake Crowder has been sitting out all year. Bogdan is a, you know, I would say high-level role player for a championship team who's playing on the Pistons who are young and going the opposite way than he is. Um, and then John Collins, like you said, he's like the new Miles Turner. Like every year it's like, oh, yeah, he's going to get traded. He doesn't like it here. He wants a bigger role. And then it never happened. Um, just because I think that it's like this weird conundrum where he has to show he's better than what the league sees him in order to get traded but his role is too small for him to show that so obviously the hawks are going to overvalue him 
because they don't want to lose a trade. Um, and then the other teams are looking like, well, this guy doesn't do much for you, so why would we give more for him? Like, we're trying to help you out. So I think it's going to be another year of that back and forth. Um, I think if he does go anywhere, some way, somehow, I can see him going to Phoenix. Um, but I, I'm i going to say he's going to stay put again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think a week ago, early in the week, reports said uh, they told him and his agent to find where you want to go. So to me, that sounds like he's probably gone. But then right after that, Atlanta's kind of going on this winning streak where they beat Toronto. And then today on MLK Day, they really ran the heat out of the gym. And all of a sudden, Atlanta's back to 500. That team we all coming into the year thought maybe they could do something. They're back to 500 now. And it's really because they've all done so as a collective, even without Clint Capella in the lineup. So I think if they keep winning, maybe he stays. Because then they'll probably spin it like, well, we found something with our core. They finally broke through with Nate McMillan after a rough start to the season. Uh, maybe they'll spin it like, hey, we could be the new Boston from last year where everything was right again in the month of January. I'm just saying, maybe that's how they spin doctorate. I don't. Uh, I say get rid of him, man. Look, he's been underachieving with you guys, and a lot of that is because Trey Young dominates the ball so much that he's not really able to show what he can do. It reminds me a lot of what Kuzma was with the Lakers. He was in the same position. LeBron dominates the ball. AD's the second best player. So you're like standing in the corner as a spot-up shooter. Kuzma goes to D.C. His offensive role is expanded. He averages 21 a game. So it's one of those things where you're right, Clem. Nobody's going to pay the top dollar that Atlanta wants. But what's going to happen is you're going to get a pretty good investment, though, on the back end if you're another team. Because now he can go into a role where he does a little bit more. And becomes a double-double machine, which I think he always has it in his bag. But he's not doing that because he's a stretch big that they sometimes play at the five when they go small. So that's really my standpoint there. It looked like he was going to interject and say something. But what's he going to do? Yeah, I mean, uh, two two quick points. I think one, like, (laughs) just like (laughs) imagine Travis Link. Well, he's no longer your manager. But um, Landry Fields going to Johnny Holland saying, hey. Let me know where you want to go so we make sure we take care of you. Like, you know that's a lie. Like, come on. <laughs> he, he, he don't get that type of treat. Like, so <laughs> that should tell you right there. Like, they're just softening them up to just, like, keep him like, damn, man. Like, I know you had your list and we looked at everybody, but they all was, like, asking for too much. And we value you, so we're just going to have to keep you here. And then the whole Kuzma um Collins comparison I just think I don't know I go back and forth because I think his second year he was averaging about 14 points a game um looking like okay you know he's going to be maybe a perennial all-star like I said maybe he might make one or two in the course of his career but I, I don't know I feel like I feel like in a way Trey really helps him like he gets him a lot of open baskets I know he dominates the ball but Kuz can stretch the floor Kuz can dribble drive so he affects the game offensively in a wider variety of ways than Collins does so I just think like you put Collins in a situation where he has more opportunity I just don't know where offensively he can flourish enough to be like oh this guy's going to get me 20 points from posting up I don't think he's that great of a post-up player like he has a solid mid-range but like 
is that something that's going to get you 20 points a game? Like, he's not shooting threes. He's not really a great ball handler or gets to the basket. So it's like you're really depending on offensive rebounds and mid-range shots. Like, I don't know if that gets you 20 points a night, but we'll see. I'm not saying he is Kuz, but I am saying they're in this, they were in the same situation in their original locale, and then when they left, potentially the roles can expand. I think John Collins on a better team is Bobby Portis. Like, I really think that's his game. Bobby Portis, solid face-up game, underrated back to the basket, kind of an undersized four that can stretch it. We see in Milwaukee, his game went to a whole nother level that we never really got to see in Chicago, never really got to see in New York. So I think that's really John Collins' ceiling, double-double machine that you could potentially play in some lineups as a five if you're trying to go small. I know you're shaking your head, but John Collins <laughs> actually can stretch the floor and hit some three. Bro, he, he, he's, I mean, I, I, he's I, had I to. He can, but I don't think he's like – let's forget, Bobby Portis is like – he's not only bigger but longer. Um, he's a better defender, I would say. Um, okay. I don't think he could play John Collins as a small ball five. Um, and then Bobby Portis was like – wasn't he in the three-point competition last year? Like he's what? A pretty, uh, <laughs> he's a pretty good three point shooter. I'm pretty sure he shoots a very high percentage. Like I don't think John Collins shoots that well from three, um, and he doesn't have the size or the defense that Bobby Porter uh, has. But I do think I agree with you to the fact that I think he will be better on another team just because his like energy and um, willingness would be more just because he'd be in a new opportunity. Um, and like get an opportunity to show more, but I I also worry that he'll get to another place and we'll be like, oh okay, like he's playing kind of the same that we we thought. So I feel you. Um, looking up these numbers, John Collins, he's shooting horrible from deep this year, like twenty three percent. But he's a career thirty five percent three point shooter, man. I'm telling you, John Collins got that burner low key. Now I agree. Like, look, um, he's six nine. Portis is 6'10". That drop-off isn't that, you know, huge. So I, I think that's his skill set. I think that's the similarities there. But we'll see where Collins will go. Gary Trent Jr., I think, is movable. Um, uh, Nick Nurse has really been on Trent Jr.'s case, like, a lot. Started early in the year. He was like, he's not defending well. He's not defending with high intensity. Basically saying he's not my type of guy. And that was around the time the Raptors were kind of struggling. Toronto's still kind of struggling. They did beat the Knicks today in the Garden, but they're four games under 500. Uh, and they got all of these guys on their team that are kind of dis- – I'm going to say everybody's disgruntled, but a couple guys are disgruntled. It's Trent Jr. and Fred VanVleet. Now, GTJ he shoots 38% from three his entire career, and he's 24 years old on a team-friendly contract. I personally feel he's going to play on a California team at the deadline. I think either the Lakers, Clippers – I'd even throw the Warriors in there. I think they'd all be interested in what he can do because he's a knockdown shooter that's under 25. Where do you see him potentially landing? Are you said GTA? No, G- GTJ, Gary Trent Jr. Oh, okay, okay. I've never heard that um, nickname from him. Just um, McCray on the spot. Gary Trent, um, from Minnesota, Apple Valley guy. Um, I haven't put too much thought into him, honestly. Um, I mean, ideally, I guess, L.A., like you said. Um, But 
I don't know. I just don't think he helped LA, and I, I, I think this is it's like a weird point in the league, solely because of how the trades went this off season. I think there's so much inflation right now because of the, um, the Gobert and Murray trade. Um, people are asking way too high for role players, and nobody wants to. <laughs> <laughs> and we were talking about Gary Trent in Minnesota. Um, and then obviously open with the Vikings. This is like a, a Minnesota poor down uh, podcast or something. Um, Crazy. Nobody wants to feel like Minnesota right now. Like, they, they don't, <laughs> don't want to, like, give, like, make a big risk and then realize, like, oh, this is terrible. Um, well, they gave up, like, five firsts for, for Rudy. Five, five firsts. Four. And four then Murray, players. they gave up four. Four first. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you think about that, like those are guys who, I mean, Gobert won three all star games, or he, he made three all star games in a row. So, like, I guess maybe three, <laughs> three <laughs> first round picks would have been qualified, not five. Murray made one, but he was like the last pick for the team and he got four. So you're just like, okay, does that mean Gary Trent should get one or two? Like, because he's a solid starter. Obviously, he's not an all-star, but it's just, I don't know. I think everyone's just very greedy right now. Um, and then also don't want to be, like, the butt of the the trade. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if this is a year where it's, like, it comes down to the wire and a lot of these trades don't actually happen because people are just like, no, we're not, we're not going to give you, like, all of these picks or everything you're asking for because we don't want to look like so. And I think that's a valid summarization of the deadline this year. And I agree with you. Um, the Gobert trade isn't looking like the best deal right now. Um, and I think that's enough for a lot of teams to kind of balk at what other teams may say. This is the standard that we want for this player. Um, and it's not like anybody at the deadline is demanding a trade that's a top five player. Like Luca's not like, get me out of here. Um, Durant's no longer saying, get me out of here. You know, like you're not, you're not getting those type of guys say, Hey, I don't want to be in my current locale. I want to be somewhere else. You have guys that are nice players, solid players, but I mean, there's a chance Kyle Kuzma, if he is dealt, will probably go for a first round pick. Um, I mean, I don't think that's bad, but you know, it's one of those situations where is somebody willing to give up a first round pick for half of Kyle Kuzma's remaining contract, and then when he's a free agent, he goes somewhere else. So I think the only way I see guys getting dealt is if you're a team like the Nets, um, who else, maybe the Lakers, maybe the Clippers, where in your mind you're like, for this season to be a success, we have to make a deep playoff run. And the only way we can make a deep playoff run is if we deal for somebody that can make our team better. That's it. I don't really see a tanking team going for anybody. I don't see a middle-of-the-road team who may feel like, yo, we have the next few years ahead of us breaking the bank. And the upper echelon teams, Boston, Denver, and Memphis, they're fine. <laughs> like They're like, yo, we're good. As long as we stay healthy, we should make a run for the Larry O'Brien. So this might be another quiet deadline this season um, for sure. And I think the last quiet deadline we had – I think we were both at Jackson State. I'm trying to remember what year I was in. Maybe my junior year where everybody was like, yo, 
This was before AD came to the Lakers. Yeah, so everybody was like, yo. Yeah, so everybody was like, yo, man, this deadline's going to be crazy. And nothing happened, but Zubach went yeah. to the Clippers. And everybody was pissed. So I think the same <laughs> thing is probably going to happen this year. Um, and that would be unfortunate for a team that probably feels – for a fan base of a team that feels like, no, we should have made a deal for him, and that could have brought us over the top. I think it it would be interesting. I saw some news about Cam Reddish to L.A. Um, I just think, I don't know, I think that L.A. is going to make a move. It's going to be very <laughs> underwhelming. Um, I have Kuzma on my board. I think the reason why they put out that statement, the Wizards, is I think a lot of it is like a shadow. Like, okay, we want people to give us more for Kuzma. So we're trying to threaten by saying, oh, we actually do want to keep him. We do want to sign in um, and overpay him to stay here. But um, they do have the Porzingis deal already on the books and then Bradley Beal's new deals kicking in. So to like what, how much more can you really offer Kuzma um, for this year? So I had him to LA, like that was one of the options, like a reunion there. But I just don't see Rob Polinka putting you know, two picks towards Kyle Kuzma. But I think if there's a guy that he would put two picks towards, I think it is Kuz because he's one with them. He's improved since he left the team. Um, and, you know, he's an original Laker. So, you know, I think that's the best spot, like, for him right now. Hey, well, maybe not valid. for him, but I think that's the most likely, likely spot if he gets moved. Hey, valid points, valid points indeed. Before we uh pivot to the next topic, uh, did hear Kyle Lowry for D'Lo. Um, hey, hey, we you've been like trade D'Lo. Um, I heard Heat are yeah. interested in D'Angelo. Um, yeah. Wolves probably want a veteran presence in their locker room at point guard. Kyle Lowry's a mm-hmm. winner. He's a champion. You basically get a slightly better Patrick Beverly at this point in your career, talent wise. So, ah, uh, I can see it, especially with the Wolves. 500 at the at this point. I mean, 22 and 23. This season hasn't gone how they are, how they wanted it to go. Carlton Towns is probably going to come back soon, probably at the end of the month. Um, I remember when he left, there were like six games under 500, and I was like, look, they just need to tread water when he's gone, and if he could come back and maybe they can make a move, maybe they can tread a little bit upward. They've kind of done that um, somewhat. But, uh, yeah, D'Lo started to talk. He's starting to talk like, get me out of here, basically. I mean, that's what I'm reading because <laughs> he's tired of being in the news as a trade piece. Um, how would you like that? Lowry for Demo swap. Would that be a win for both teams? I would teams? love it. And I don't know if you remember, I, I um, whenever I hear, like, little Miami news, I always, like, tag Deshaun in the group chat to, <laughs> to see how he feels about it. Um, I mean, not to say, like, obviously he doesn't work for the team or anything, but, like, just, I don't know, I, I just think his, his responses to Miami um, is hilarious, um, but I love it. I, you know, I, and I think sometimes we overlook the the pieces that teams need. You know, sometimes it's the little things like Pepev. In a perfect world, if I was a Timberwolves fan, I would love to see them find a way to get Pat Bev and let him be like their Udonis Haslam, and then right. also get D'Lo for Lowry. So it's like. Pat Bev can be that backup point guard. Um, so he's still getting minutes. So he's not like, you know, he still has some type of respect and, and impact on the floor. 
And then, you know, Lowry doesn't have much left, but I think he's a guy who can get everybody in their spots and will, you know, empower um, um, Ant to to be the number one guy and empower Cat to get him in the right places so he doesn't have to overwork or over-dribble for for shots. And even um, Gobert, you know, like, I think, I think they're like one small piece, not like talent wise, but like personality wise that can uplift them. And I think both of us were really high on the Timberwolves coming into the season. I think we both thought them as like a top four seed in the West. Um, and I still, I, I still don't think they're that far away. I think they have the pieces in place. I just think D'Lo is kind of known for passing, which I think is a little bit overrated. Um, but he hasn't been that guy. Um, and I think that the two things they really need is like a leader, a playmaker who can get everybody in, in spots. Um, and then a guy who's like very aware defensively. And I think Lowry and Pat Bev, if you can get both of them to be like the starter and backup, um, would solve that problem for them. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I don't think Minnesota's that far off. Um, they may not be able to achieve what they wanted to this season. But I do think two things are true. Um, they need a voice off the floor, and then they need an on-court steady leader as well. Um, right now, it seems like their only vocal leader is Austin Rivers, and that that ain't going to cut it, bro. I'm just being real. So, um, yeah, if they could find a way to get Beverly back, and Beverly seems open to come back to Minnesota. So if you can be able to, you know, get him in a buyout situation and get – Lowry as well in a trade deal with D'Angelo, that's a win. Because I think what they're missing is somebody other than their coach to make them understand, yo, this is going to work, but we're going to have to do it this way. That's literally the mindset Patrick Beverly brought in last season, and that's why they made the playoffs. Um, You know, Patrick Beverly was the reason why they made the playoffs. It sounds crazy that that happened because you look at his stat line, you look at Bev the player, and you're like, What? But, I ain't going that far, but he was a he was, I, he was a big he was a he was a big uh, part. He, he, was, a big he part. was huge because he was he was like the buffer through the coach, like the coach Finch and Bev. They're cool. So and, and bro, make it even crazier. Guess who was on that Raptor staff when they won that chip? Chris Finch. Finch, bro. Lowry, Bev. I mean, they just need somebody to relate a message from the coach to them because it's like they hear what the coach is saying, but it's not getting there. So now you need the leaders. I mean, that that's really what Minnesota needs. They need that leadership off the floor and on the floor. Bev and Lowry can give them that and potentially push them to the top. So something to look towards as we get to the deadline. Topic three, who will be the top seed as seasons in out West? The Grizzlies and the Nuggets have exchanged blows. As both teams possess only 13 losses on the season, Denver has 30 wins and Memphis just got their 30th win, ninth in the row because they just beat the Phoenix Suns. Both teams have been hitting their strides as health and continuity has allowed them to peak at the same and right time. Uh, You know, Grizzlies have won nine straight after losing four of the previous five. Denver has won six straight and 13 of their last 15. These teams play two more times after the All-Star break. So, Clem, that's going to tell a lot about where these teams will go trajectory-wise in the West. Whose chances do you like to get the number one seed? But before you go, because I know your answer, we're going to have the same answer. I like Denver getting the top seed this, this year. Okay. I do. And the reason okay. why is because they have the offense to get it. 
that that matters in the regular season. And I'm relying on Jokic to play more games than John Morant. So, and I think that matters when you're pursuing the top seed. When the Suns were the top seed last year, Devin Booker played most of the year. And that's why he had that crazy march. And I think that crazy march not only launched him up into the MVP conversation, it really cemented the Suns' chances to be the top seed. I think Jokic has another month like that in him where he's going to go off, and that's going to be because he's going to play a lot of these games. He's going to play particularly well. And I think they just have the offense. They have the number one rated offense in the league to get it done. Now, Memphis has the number one rated defense in the league as well. That would be an interesting dynamic to see in the playoffs. But I just feel like the way Memphis is kind of approaching this season, it's like they want to be able to have that continuity but also conserve the well-being of their backcourt, Ja and Desmond, because both have shown their past two years, they break down sometimes. So you want to be precautionary with their health while also let everybody know, yo, we still competing. And ever since Ja said he's not scared of the West, you know, they had that rough slide and everybody was like, mm-hmm, yeah, see, y'all talk too much. They picked it back up towards the end of the year and they haven't lost since in the year 2022. Or is it 2023? Um, but 2023 now. So, you know, but I like Denver. To do it, man, this is a bro, their offense is the best I've ever seen from that Nugget squad in that Malone era. They run everything through Jokic about dang time because they was doing it with Murray. I didn't get it. That makes everything easier. They run and cut very well. It's almost Warriors ass. And I like them to get that top seed, man. I really do over Memphis. You have the floor. Um I mean, you already know what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Denver's going to take it. Um, I think I, – I will say I have I have been sleep on Memphis. I, I don't know. I just think – I think they're a very frisky and fun team, but I'm just still not a believer that they're like a conference final team. Um, and they continue to prove me wrong day in and day out. Um, Nine-game winning streak um, with Bain back. Um, Karen Jackson back, a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, child playing out of his mind, dunking on somebody crazy every day. Um, you know, I, 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 I feel like they're better than I thought, but I still think um, Denver's the number one team in the West, and I think they will finish number one in the West because Murray's continuing to get better. Aaron Gordon is playing with better uh, confidence as well. So um, to me, it, it's pretty – Pretty easy to say. Um, I think they'll finish top seed. The only reason why they may not is if they're like, if they have it, you know, pretty much they're like, okay, well, we we know we're going to be playoff ready and they want to give Jokic a little more rest because I've been riding him a bit. Um, and he has accumulated, like, he's played almost 80, 80 plus games in like the last three years or so. So he's um, one of those rare Ironmans in the league. And, he does do so much for the team, but I I think they're going to get the number one seed, and I think they'll pull away towards the end because Ja hasn't really missed a lot of time yet, and I I can see it coming. Um, <laughs> but and I wish it no bad luck on the guy, but you know, um, his his uh, playing record has has definitely justified me saying that. And that's fair. Um, so far he's only missed seven games this year, which is phenomenal because in the past. By this time this season, it would be double digits. Uh, and he's played particularly well. He's been able to survive, you know, the catastrophic injury. I, mean, I think he rolled his ankle 
early on in the year. That took him out for a minute. He was right back. So, um, yeah, look, I think both teams want the top seed. So I think what it's really going to come down to is how, for me, I really want to see these two teams play again, man. And they're going to play after the All-Star break. You know, they played early in the year. And Memphis shot horribly <laughs> from the field in that first quarter. And they, they just really were never to get out of that uh that hole. But I think during that time, Desmond Bain was not in the lineup. Jaron Jackson was just starting to come back. Um, they were really relying on Jai and Dylan Brooks to get buckets. And, you know, Dylan Brooks, I mean, the most inconsistent player in the league, Dylan Brooks. You now have that title. So, yeah, I mean, that was that was a tough time. But what a lot of people don't understand is during that game, Shot horrible in the first quarter, but the next three, they outscored Denver 77 to 75. So I think potentially this is probably going to be a Western Conference Finals matchup. I don't know if Memphis is ready yet to take that final step, like to get to the finals. I think what they've shown so far is it's a pattern. They lose in the play-in, right? That first year, then they win the play-in, right? Then they win the first round. So... I think the pattern is they probably get to the conference finals. And they then they lose um, in the second round. Then they so lose. Now they they lose. this year, they're probably going to – They might – okay, okay. I see yeah, I, I think – They, I they think, might win the second round. Okay. Well, second round. I think that's a pattern because, look, I mean, we get it. The rivalry between them and Golden State, it's real. But I, I don't think Golden State this year is just going to be on part of match the energy that they've had last year. So – um, I think really Memphis' is only only challenger in the West, I feel, is, is Denver. Um, I think they play good enough defense against everybody else. Um, and it's unfortunate because, and we're going to get to this, they're our final topic, that the Pelicans just haven't been able to stay healthy. And I'm not banking on when Zion and Ink potentially come back, that continuity is going to be there. You know, that cotton, bro, cotton, if last year's playoffs didn't say anything, continuity and chemistry matters in the regular season because in the playoffs, everybody's role is more defined and you're able to go from there. And I just feel like Denver and Memphis have been treating the regular season as the ultimate tune-up for the playoffs, the ultimate tune-up to help define what type of style of play they want to be coming into the postseason. And, uh, man, if that's a potential conference final, that's going to be crazy because the NBA fan world is not like Jokic, and they don't like the Grizzlies. So that's going to be crazy to have those two teams play against each other. But we'll see. I mean, I, we both like different chances to get the top seed. And we'll see by the end of this year, will that home court advantage really even matter in a potential conference final matchup? To wrap up this segment, is it time to worry about Zion and B.I. being out for the Pelicans? Currently, the New Orleans Pelicans are the third best team in the West. They just lost to the Cavs by 10 today. But that was really large in part because they got outscored by 13 in the fourth quarter. They were ahead against Cleveland for the most part. But um, this season, B.I. has only played 15 games. And Zion has missed 14 games, most recently because of his right hamstring strain. Now, I have Brandon Ingram on my fantasy team. And when he first got hurt, it was reported that, you know, it was just a little toe injury. He'll be back. He hasn't been back since. And I don't know. Every time I look into something, it's like he's ramping it up. He's ramping it up. He's ramping it up. But I'm like, he's been ramping it up for how long? And he hasn't been out there. Zion got hurt. And it's fair to say at this point, as great as he's playing, I, he's on that job level, bro. I don't trust him <laughs> to be healthy when it matters. Um, New Orleans has a deep enough squad, Clem, to where they're going to make the playoffs. 
But now the concern is, will their stars be healthy enough come playoff time to at least help them win a playoff series this season? Um, I think they will be. I don't, well, let me say, I think they'll be on the floor. How healthy they are is the question. Um, I was listening to Will Guillory, who covers the team um, on the Brian, Brian Windhorst Soup Collective podcast, and they're talking about how, like, similar to what you were saying, Ingram had a little toe injury. Those like, and that's like the new common theme for every injury. Oh, we'll reevaluate in two weeks. Um, sounds good, but honestly, it's probably like a scarier thought because you should probably know once you examine it. You know how long it's going to take, what what the um, the injury is, but um, it went from like okay, it's going to be two weeks to a month, and then I heard that he was practicing, but then while practicing, heard it again. Um, so it's just a constant influx of just like not really knowing what's going to happen, and it kind of reminds me of Zion last year, um, the foot injury. He was going to play in the preseason, then he wasn't. Then he was going to come back before midseason, then. He was going away from the team and then he came back to the team and might have played in the playoffs, but then he didn't. It was just off and on. And, you know, BI, these 15 games, you know, we didn't even get a great sample size to even, you know, really be very hopeful about. Um, I mean, he was averaging 20 points a game, which is good, yes. Um, but only 15 games, just not enough to like solidify. And it's, it's slowly turning into the same thing we've seen with the Clippers and the Nets. Like whenever you have all these talented guys on the team, it just seems to be like they just never healthy. Um, I'm not worried about Zion. Like I said, I think he's his injury is like pretty common, especially like we saw it happen and we saw like 29 games worth of the of the uh, sample. So I feel good about that. Um, and then CJ has been stepping up and playing well. Trey Murphy has been playing really well. Nashi Marshall, the knife, has been playing well. Alvarado continues to impress me, just like going from just like, oh, yeah, he's a nice defensive player to like, okay, this guy, he can get to the rim. He can make threes here and there. Um, he can play make. Um, they're just continuing to show their depth. Uh, and I like it, but I just – I think Ingram is gonna is gonna be the one who's like the entire season they're just trying to get him along. So for that reason, I think they won't make the conference finals, but I can see them still getting out of the first round just off the strength of Zion, then be having a, a high seed, the adrenaline from you know being a um, a home court team in the first round of the playoffs. Um, so yeah, I think they'll get out the first round, but I can see them not getting to the conference finals because Ingram isn't 100%. Yeah, I took, you know, coming into the season, I said the Pelicans have, like, a top five, six bench in the league. And I think this is the main reason why they've been able to tread water without their two best players. But I view this season as the ultimate learning curve when it comes to peak BI and peak Zion learning how to play together. And it's unfortunate that, that learning curve hasn't really happened this season because they just haven't been in the lineup together. They were in it early in the year, then B.I. got hurt. So then we saw peak Zion where he didn't really have to worry about sharing duties. And so now it's unfortunate because now it seems like they may have to learn how to play together 
<clears throat> during the back half of the season, and that's very risky because now you're competing against teams that have defined roster structure and roles, and you're all gunning for playoff positioning. And what you're leaning on is, okay, for the next 30 games, y'all going to figure out how to hoop together. And then by the time the playoffs are around, you'll develop enough chemistry to where you'll be able to compete against the West best. That's a tall ass. So they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be a top four seed. So that for sure means they're going to have a secure first round playoff series. But it all depends on who they play. What if they play Dallas in round one? I mean, I might have to take Luka, bro. Because I'd be like, I, yeah. like, I trust Luka's peakness over... A Pels team that I do think is better than Dallas, but they haven't had the continuity all year. All right, and, so and I know that not not on Herbis was a big deal last year, but Herbis been hurt a lot too. Um, you would exactly. think like the team that's probably best equipped to guard Luca still probably couldn't guard Luca, which is crazy. Um, so Correct. yeah, I agree with you in that sentiment. That, that they're going home if they're playing. Uh, unless Zion just turns it up a notch that we haven't seen, but I I've would seen, I would right. ride with Luca right now. Right, and you know Zion, phenomenal, you know athlete, up and coming superstar for sure, but he hasn't seen playoff basketball yet, where teams are able to scheme against you driving in the lane eighty percent of the time and just bullying people for dunks. They're gonna have a junk defense to prevent that from happening. So now, Zion, you're going to have to take five to ten jump shots a game. Can you make them consistently with the lights super bright? That's a tall ass. So I think New Orleans isn't going to take that jump. Everybody thought they were. Um, and it's unfortunate. Um, and now moving forward, we have valid concerns about the well-being of Zion and B.I. long-term health-wise. And look, you say you're not concerned about Zion injury. I am because he's still kind of big. And when he was playing at ultra speed, super crazy flight site, I'm like, it was good. You're like, dang, he's hooping. And then he pulls up lane, which is a reminder that at that size, playing that way comes a price eventually. And I, I can't trust that long term. That's just tough. So it's unfortunate for the Pelicans. But the good news is they'll be a playoff team. Gonna be better than the Saints this year, so the city will have something to root for come playoff time. But I, I mean, I don't right now. I don't think they're better than Dallas, Memphis. Uh, that they're not better than them. And I, I think the unfortunate reason why they're not better than them is they just haven't been healthy enough to see if they're better than them. They played Memphis like three times, I think, or maybe two times, three times. And Zion was there for all of them, and Memphis won two, two of those three games. So. That's enough for me. And I think New Orleans and Memphis, in my eyes, in the future, they're going to be competing against each other for the West going forward, which is great because they're in the same division. Uh, marketplaces are by each other. That's that's phenomenal. But as of right now, New Orleans just isn't going to be ready to take that next step. And it's going to be because of injuries and inability to have that continuity with their superstars. So with that, it's the end of NBA Intel for today. But before we head out, Clem, basketball news, insights, matchups you're looking forward to this week coming up. Well, I just want to update everyone on the Brooklyn Nets um, downward trend. <laughs> of course, 
course, can't, can't even bring it up in the, in the, uh, the chat. But um, uh, Brooklyn has currently lost two in a row. Um, two in a row. And, yeah, you know, they, they're still number two in the, in the East, so not time to alarm just yet. But don't forget, Black History Month coming up, right? <laughs> two weeks away. You know, Kyrie got something up his sleeve. Somebody told me something. All right. Uh, but no, I'm, I am looking forward to see how they um, tread water without KD. Obviously, Ben Simmons scoring zero points the other night. Um, tragic. Uh, and then uh, for the West, huh? Let me see. Yeah, I ain't got nothing for the West. It's just, it's blah right now. Everybody's going up and down. Nothing's set in place, but yeah, I'm just looking at the the net, seeing how they tread water without Katie. What about you? Yeah, um, same with the Nets. Uh, two tough losses, but their losses have been a weird common theme. They give you everything they got for three quarters. So heading into the fourth, they're right there, and then you see where they miss Durant because he's a guy in the fourth quarter that defenses have to pay onus to because in the fourth is where he can light you up and burn you. So now you just got to worry about trapping Kyrie. Kyrie during this stretch has sucked. <laughs> he does not shoot the ball particularly well. Um, and I think that's the main reason why they lost to the Thunder and the Celtics, which were both winnable games heading into the fourth quarter. Out West, I'm curious to see about the Golden State Warriors. They're on a road trip, and this road trip is very important. All right? Very important. They beat the Wizards. Congratulations. They beat Golden State. But they did lose to Chicago last night as well. So they're one and one on the road trip. They have Boston Thursday, Cleveland after that, and I think Memphis at home. This is going to teach us a lot. Um, I do not think this is a good basketball team this year. Um, I understand no one wants to say they're not a good basketball team this year because we're living in the past and we're giving them so much respect because they're a dynasty. I understand all that, but I go off of what I see. This is not a good team. And we're going to see against Boston, Cleveland, and Memphis if they're just rolling through the regular season and they're ready to pick it up now or not. Because if they get blasted by two of these three teams, we could put a bow on it and move on. I'm not saying they won't make the playoffs. They probably will. But they're not going back to back. We can agree on that. That's not happening. So... We're curious to see that because right now the Warrior fan base is starting to realize the truth. They're not a good team. But other yeah, than that, those are the I don't think they're going back to back, but uh them not making the playoffs. I, I'm gonna tell you right now, I gotta bring that one to the chat. I gotta bring it to the chat. That's that's oh, I'm not, I'm not saying, saying I'm not saying they won't make the playoffs. I think they will. They should. Oh, you, you got you Steph said Curry. That. You said that earlier. No, 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 no. No, no I said I said they're still gonna. They're probably gonna make the playoffs. I'm not gonna say they're not going to make it because they still have Steph Curry, Jordan Poole. When he starts, is different than when he doesn't start. And them guys got pride. They got bets. They're too talented not to make the playoffs. Plus, in the West, six seed to the twelve seed is the same. It's the same. So, all right, let's say they don't make the playoffs the original way. They got to do the play in. They're gonna want to play, bro. Like they should do that. Do I but expect them to go? OKC okay, was better than them right now. Right now, yes, that's not a cold take. That's crazy. That's real. That's so, crazy. 
It's not when Vucevic drops 40 on you and the Bulls beat you without DeRozan. And then you're in a dogfight with the Wizards who are thinking about trading Kyle Kuzma. And you're able to pull away because Curry's shooting over three dudes. And Draymond's able to roll to the basket and get easy deuces. When Draymond Green has to score you 10 points in the fourth quarter for you to pull away, that's a problem. I'm just I'm just being real against the Wizards. So that's what I'm looking forward to, you know. Oh, by, by the way, he losing to the Hawks. I'm, I'm just saying, he ain't like that either. So without further ado, <laughs> we're going to be back next week to talk about more than likely what the Warriors did during their road trip. But um, hey, it was great being with you guys today. Great talking basketball with me and my guy, Clement Gibson. This podcast will be out tomorrow, so stay tuned and listen. We'll be back. Until then, peace. Peace.